and Eve Sarianos. Hello, I'm Emily Gilmarrett. Hi, I'm Adam Gifford. This is the School of School podcast. Hey teachers, tired of juggling multiple spreadsheets to complete your assessments? Insights can help. Insights is the new online tool from Maths No Problem. Insights gives you instant analysis and detailed achievement reports right after marking. Visit mathsnoproblem.com forward slash insights. All right, welcome back everyone. We've got Mario Trono once again with us. Mario, what are we talking about today? We are talking about the use of popular media. You know, are you going to bring it into the classroom? Are you going to stop what you're doing with your chemistry moment or your math lesson or your uh, social studies, uh, your, your, your social studies piece? And are you going to allow commercial culture into the sacred space of the classroom? You know, everything from the Harry Potter to the latest Hollywood product or whatever. Um, can you use it or is it a distraction finally? Are we, are we lowering our educational standards by letting, you know, every single time we have to teach language, do we have to go get hip hop? Every single time we want students uh, to lighten up, light up about something, do we have to plunge the room into darkness and turn on a movie? Uh, or is this the way of the future? Oh, good question. So just like bringing it back to my own experience as a child, most of my memories from being really young are, have vanished. But one clear memory I have from school is that television cart being wheeled into the classroom. You know, that was just so, that was the exciting event for the week or day. I'm like mid-50s, right? So that's like a long time. We're talking about the, the late 60s, early 70s was when I was in... No, no, it's, it's earlier than that. It's earlier than that. I, I remember doing it as a teacher. I've pushed that trolley. So no, keep going, Andy. It's, it's, it's happened even, even yeah, more recently. Keep going, keep going. No, but I mean, I, I remember it being exciting as a student. I remember breaking that cycle, you know, and even if it was this... You know, we had these, geez, I wish I could find copies of these things. I'm sure they're probably on YouTube. These mini dramas that were in black and white that came from France and that we used to watch them in French class, right? And it was really funny because we were, of course, I grew up in Quebec. So we had our, our Quebecois accent, which doesn't sound anything like the French in France. So we always thought it was really kind of funny listening to all these really sophisticated cigarette smoking looking people talk in a funny way. It is funny, you non-Canadians out there. You're just going to have to trust us on that. <laughs> the, the Quebec language, it sounds very, very different. Uh, you know, the Quebec version of French than what you'll hear on the, uh, you know, coming to you from European cinema, that's for sure. <laughs> did you, uh, do you ever see any, um, Andy, whenever you wanted to particularly get across to, uh, you know, connect with uh, one of your kids or, or somebody who wants to teach about something, what do you think? Do you find that, does it, cheapen or lessen the moment in a kid's eyes when you say, well, it's just like in Harry Potter when, or you can see this theme in Lord of the Rings. Do they kind of roll their eyes at you and think, oh, you know, here's the old guy trying to meet me where I live and be a little cool by using popular culture to, to connect things, or do you find that it works? I think it's underestimated how valuable popular culture can, what critical role it can play at any level, whether it's education or even running a, a company. Like, you know, one of the greatest joys for me ever 
uh, with popular media is watching Silicon Valley on on uh, HBO, right, in, in Canada. Because it is so true. Every element of it I've lived through, right? And, and it's just, it, I can, it really resonates with me. I'm almost ashamed to say that I've got some really good ideas that I put in action, I won't tell you what they are, from watching Silicon Valley, which is funny because it's such a ridiculous show, right? But it's so close to real, you know, so close to true life. So I get motivation myself and I love watching that kind of stuff with my kids and just laughing together, uh, but learning at the same time. And, you know, it, just a real world example, I was doing some, uh, you know, uh, I was going I was, every every month I do these one on ones with the staff, you know, and um, I've been I've been recommending TV shows. I say you should watch this TV show because, you know what, there's a lot of things we can learn from that. Emily, you seem really like uh, young and hip and uh, plugged into all sorts of commercial and popular media what do, what do you think i'm gonna own that because it's a podcast and no one else can see me so <laughs> thank you for painting that picture <laughs> i was i was listening to that and i was i suddenly felt a little emotional because i was thinking there was a recent situation so helping kids when somebody's died like you know that's quite complicated isn't it in terms of like how you Sometimes they find that a bit tricky. So there are times, I think, for emotional reasons where you can find, say, movies or, I mean, obviously there's books, but movies and, and things that they can see that um, can help them and maybe even have a cathartic moment and a bit of a cry and they can connect. So sometimes I think there's there's opportunities to use um, popular culture. You know, they can they can relate to something that's, that, that they're seeing and then imagine how that feels in their life. So I, I've definitely used it um uh like that before also in all seriousness one of my favorite things so i'm reluctant uh, readers kids who can read but perhaps are turned off like oh my gosh graphic novels these are amazing they really are the best thing and and i think there you've got this amazing opportunity where you're interlinking all sorts of you know different different elements um and then in writing um I think sometimes we should totally let more multimedia come into play. Um, you know, maybe there's sort of bits where you, you actually don't show the children everything, but it's characters that they know and, and then they've got to kind of write on. So um, you've taken me through a bit of a journey talking about this, to be honest with you, but I think it's got a place, I do. Look, I don't want to hijack this, but this, uh, this, like, this flash came in my mind and I was like, I have to ask Emily what she thinks of this. Right, so teaching literacy... Is it okay to watch a movie or listen to an audiobook as opposed to reading the book? Oh, as opposed to. Yeah. So let's say, okay, like, okay, that sounds like kind of maybe a bit far fetched, like, because often the book is very different than than uh, the movie, right? I remember a rendition of Great Expectations where at the end, can't remember the main, was it Pip, the main character? Yeah. You know, he gets the girl and he gets the money, right? At the end. Like, no, no, that's not the story. <laughs> that's quite a twist, right? So that there's a problem with that. But no, let's, okay, let's use a, a better example. So Shakespeare is, is very difficult for a lot of people to penetrate, including me, right? But if I watch it, I get it, right? I get it. I get it. And I see the brilliance. And if I listen to a great actor read it, I get the brilliance. But if I read it, I can't penetrate it. But is it okay? That's my question. Yes, I say yes. And and actually, um, I tell you something that blew my mind was the kids 
um, animation. Um, it's not Disney. I can't remember who did it, but Nomeo and Juliet. <laughs> And there are so yeah, many, like, that is awesome. When my kids were watching that, I was re- re- watching it on a whole other level. I think that's what's so wonderful about um, uh, multimedia and literacy. I don't think we need to be um, kind of snobby about about it. That's my opinion. But I think it's, I, I suppose it's that thing about when you said, in like, I can't remember the word you use now, but instead of, or, you know, I think it's about how you, how all media kind of, intertwines and relates to one another and it can all jump you know jump in and out and you can inspire but then that could be a door to maybe going to the text and read you know reading the text um Mm. in perhaps Mm. in a way that maybe that wouldn't have got you in the first time just by having it there and I do think you're right about the power of audio and talent reading it because I know that when I'm looking at Shakespeare like I can't you know, it's amazing how, you know, the, the, I can sort of see the words and start, you can start to intellectualise things because you're taught very quickly to dissect it. But to actually understand it and see it, you've got to go to a good performance or have a good audio opportunity. And then they yeah. just do this magic and you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, like I, I get yeah. it in a way that I, I personally would struggle to just, re- you know, read without well at the end of the day Shakespeare was there to be performed you know and uh, a good um yeah that's right I I remember uh, going to the Globe with Anne and you know Anne is my wife and I know I talked to her about my family quite a lot in this podcast but Anne is uh studied English literature and 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 taught it at university uh, and you know she knows she taught Shakespeare for a long time and she knows it inside out and I remember going to the Globe Theatre in London many times with Anne to watch a play uh, not always Shakespeare, but, you know, something. And, and she would explain the premise to me before we watched it, right? And then I'd watch it, and I just got so much more out of it because I could see, and I was like, wow, I never would have picked up on that. You know, and, and, and it was enriching. Having that multiple experiences of it was enriching. It was making it better. But I guess the downside is, is that you're also taking somebody's interpretation of it, not necessarily your own, and you're being brought down that path. And maybe you would have a different experience if you didn't do it. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And I feel like I'm just kind of skimming the surface as a like a real amateur here. But I'm really interested in, Mario, what you have to say about it, because clearly you know a lot more about this than, than I do. Well, it, I'm really glad that, <clears throat> excuse me, Emily mentioned uh, Nomeo and Juliet. Because my son is just starting uh, Romeo and Juliet in, in grade 10. And, uh, and I said, oh, you're going to read Romeo and Juliet in your English class this year. That's, that's, that's great. And he goes, yeah, yeah. She gave us a, a copy of Romeo and Juliet. And I said, wait, what did you say? He said, oh, I said Romeo. Because, of course, he'd seen that when he was younger, right? And so <laughs> I said, um, why don't we watch the movie with... Uh, he's so cute. He calls Leonardo DiCaprio... Leonardo, like like he like Leo. He he <laughs> likes him so much. He has is on a first name basis with him. And I said, why don't we watch the DiCaprio movie Romeo and Juliet? Uh, it's a really good version. I don't know if you remember that it was from the late nineties, and it's got a lot of music in it. The soundtrack was huge and stuff. And and he said, Leo's in that. And so that that as Emily was speaking, I was thinking to myself, that's one of the better reminds me. That's one of the reasons I most like bringing popular media into things, it's not to illustrate a lesson. 
It's to let students know that some of these weird things you teach them are everywhere in the world. Everybody mm. knows about it except them because they're only in grade six or nine. And but once you but and it's so fun letting them know that this isn't just some weird thing the teacher's saying. It's everywhere, and then they start to see it more and more out there in the world. And I could I could see that on my my son's face. That that was neat. But I think what's also really important with the popular culture thing is. You can, you can go at it in interesting ways. You're not always saying, well, I'm teaching Shakespeare, so I will find a popular version of Shakespeare. You can get at things from cool angles, like um, social studies classes draw on media studies a lot to illustrate things about society. And here's a great example. Do you remember the CSI franchise, Crime Scene Investigations? It was everywhere, oh, yeah, yeah. everywhere for a while, right? Well, a, a criminologist I know, he said that he just loves referring to it because he talks about how wrong society gets things through popular culture. So he, t he talks about the negatives of popular culture as a way of saying, well, <laughs> aren't we smart in our schooling because we can see the mistake. And the best example he came up with is that so many people, we're talking about the United States context here, so many people in the US were just addicted to these, these crime shows that would come up with the most marvelous technological solves for crimes like his dna was found mm. on the q-tip but that had also been in the nostril of the person that killed the other person and so we've got this special <laughs> laser treatment now and scientists mixed that with the dna connected it all to the genome problem pro project and she is guilty <laughs> and so what was happening in the states is juries did not this was called the csi effect this is literally something that got called in legal studies juries in the united states were hesitant to convict on circumstantial evidence. Now, don't you know from your TV that the phrase circumstantial evidence is supposed to be bad? It's quote, only circumstantial evidence. Most cases are uh, rely primarily on circumstantial evidence. And the jury has to go, ooh, this is looking pretty, pretty much like the guy is guilty. So all of a sudden people realize, what are we doing here? We, we have to start, so they have to start educating juries that there are serious limits to forensic solves right so yeah that, that that's a kind of a fun way of bringing pop culture mm. into things more kind of at an oblique angle unexpectedly and it just lights things up for a bit and then you move on so adam come on what what what's what's some real world classroom experiences you had with wheeling in that television trolley and did it help did it hurt did it was it a reward did you use it as a teaching tool I mean, I think I think I could sum. I, well, yeah. I mean, I could sum it up. But those days pretty easily, and that this great deal of anticipation, and then usually two things happened, both of which resulted in disappointment. The first one is you couldn't get it going right. Someone had taken the lead, not given it back, or whatever else. You spend you know half an hour mucking around with it. Or the second thing is you put in the tape, push play, put in the and tape. It was something that was. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I started teaching a while ago, um, but but it was something ridiculously dull, and it was worn out and scratching all those things. But but what 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 interests me and in, and in, in everything that we're saying is is of course there's merit in popular culture. You know, there's some really clever people doing some really clever things in in in, in popular culture and media. But but as an educator, I have an irrational, an irrational fear of popular media in classrooms. I think from a really early age, really early age, I used to love comics and my dad was just absolutely into comics, like no one else. Wow. And so I'd read comics to bits, but my teachers, fortunately, they changed their tune. My dad's quite a successful journalist. 
And so, first of all, it was, oh, you know, comics are low grade. You don't read them. Here's a, here's a proper book. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, but my dad thinks they're quite good. And, and I didn't realise at the time, but actually that packed a bit of weight. So they changed their tune on it a wee bit. But, but I, think, I think that's the point, is that I have grown up, and I don't know whether it's things like, you know, when you put the radio on and someone says, oh, there was better music in my day. This modern stuff's dire. You know, no one's got any sort of musicianship or talent at all these days. And, and I think... Yeah, but it's true. See, see this is reinforced all the time. <laughs> but kidding. I don't know why in education, I, I don't know why I have an irrational fear of introducing something. It feels so risky and dangerous. It's almost like something has to be 50 years old and critiqued for 50 years before we're allowed to unleash yeah. it onto children. And, and so I, I don't know, I, I suppose we need more good examples because there's a real lack of good examples. You know, you've spoken about great examples today. And, and if I don't see them and sort of get desensitized to them and start seeing them as, of course, they're brilliant. That's why they're called popular, that there's something about them that, 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 that you know, attracts people to them and those sorts of things. There's got to be some form of merit in them. It's like when someone says that, I don't know, I'm just going to use, or you pick any name here, right? And I know as soon as I say it aloud, my children will be like, oh my God, that's so yesterday. But if I said, if I said someone like, say, Justin Timberlake, and, and someone says to me, oh, it's just populist music, you know, not got talent. And you think, I've never met anyone who's had that level of success that doesn't have a stupid amount of talent. In fact, I've never met anyone with this, or, or if I have, we're, we're counting one or two people. It, it that, that, that that these people have got an abundance of talent, but it's so easy to dismiss it and, and pop, you know, and so they think these messages are reinforced all the time. And I think that, I don't know, I need to be braver as an educationalist and I need to learn more. I need to, to, to discover these things and the stuff that I might find brilliant in my own house. You know, maybe, maybe the kids would find it brilliant too. Yeah. That you've really raised something there, Adam. I mean, uh, you know, what's the youngest a teacher in primary or other levels of school can be, you know, like what is it in the UK? 22, 23? Very early 20. Yeah, yeah, okay. Very, very early 20s. All right. Well, I was in my mid-20s when uh, a, a junior high teacher asked me, only in my mid-20s, asked me to come out to a school. And I thought, well, this is great. I, I'm going to, uh, it's a poetry piece. So I'll talk about Saugen Gardens, Black Hole Sun. I'll talk about Pearl Jam song, Jeremy. And uh, it was a grade nine class. And I said, okay, everybody, I want to talk to you today about uh, Pearl Jam's Jeremy and the poetry in that song. But we'll look at the lyrics in a moment. And uh, the kid just loud, burst out and says, ah, that song's old. It was three years old. And I'd, I'd forgotten how quickly uh, old, old popular culture, especially. So music is the most dangerous one, I think, uh, for that sort of syndrome. But if there are any teachers out there actually thinking, okay, maybe I should get some more popular culture in there. At all costs, avoid, avoid trying to connect. It's almost, it's almost safer to pick something very well out of distance. Like, uh, you know, or, or you can sneak up on them, sneak up on something that they, if they're in junior high, if they're in upper levels of school, uh, grab something from their childhood uh, that they'll remember and look at it that way because it brings back oh, that's warm, nice. fuzzy feelings, yeah. right? Do you remember Harry Potter? Do you remember Fern Gully? And if he's like, oh, yeah, well, it happened to do this and you can sneak up on them that way. But yeah, it, trying to be hip and connect with the kids through pop culture. 
how many teachers are qualified to do that in any successful way after all the ages? I think the age is 27. Can we put that, Andy? You were 27 once. That, that should be the cutoff for being mm-hmm. cool. Sure. I like 27. So what? So we're talking a lot about film. What? What are some other culture, like some other popular media that 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 you know teachers can make effective use of in the classroom? Well, Emily, you mentioned graphic novels earlier on. Yeah, graphic novels oh and comics. Do you ever do you ever play around with the comic book? I, I'm saying that in quotation marks, like movie versions of the graphic novels, or do you think that graphic novels can just kind of resonate on their own? Because boy, the kids love them. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's interesting. I I hadn't really thought about that at the moment. I just think it's, yeah, and I do think that there are poorly written graphic novels, which I can see are people who are trying to make a buck because they've thought, oh, these look good and we'll we'll do them. But on the whole, um, and that's not about being snobby. Like, I'm not talking about you can't have movie graphic novels. I think if it's a graphic novel and it's done well, it's engaging and it's fun and it draws the kids in, and I think that's fantastic. Um, And I've also noticed... And I don't know if there's any evidence on this, but a lot of kids, when they get into graphic novels, they start drawing more and they're drawing, they're writing and drawing and they're creating their own. And um, yeah, that's fascinating to me because you're engaging them on on different on different levels. So, yeah, I don't know. um, I can't think off the top of my head about a graphic novel that I can think of that's film. Although, to be honest with you, I guess there's a whole load of graphic novels that exist as originally as a full novel and then a movie and there's a graphic novel and there's like multiple ways um into it um and now i guess with the franchises you've got the the, the music and and everything else that comes that comes yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a media bundle and graphic novels too they really they really they really resonate with um uh, meme culture because when you look at how panels are laid out in a graphic novel uh, the visual textures draw you in and then a character will be just saying a single word uh, or, or, or and then in the next frame just two words then you'll get whole pages sometimes with no words so your your, fa- your, your eye has to go to facial expressions to, to get the idea across and then you'll turn the page and you'll get a little soliloquy sometimes like it's, it's, it's so cinematic, it's proto cinematic. It's no wonder, like it's already live storyboarding, which is of course why all these movie makers thrilled when graphic novels got so big, they thought these are movies ready to go and they're already popular. They already have an audience. We just need to, to buy the rights and off we go. But the best thing about graphic novels is, and to go back to Adam's phrase, you know, just calling it the comic book, that stuff is the best for young people's identity journeys. You know, when you're the hero of your own story and the whole world, you think, you imagine when you're little that the whole world has your adventure in mind and what you're going through. And, and so many graphic novels are about identity discoveries or taking on new personas and shedding uh, your old identity and stuff like that. And if you can, and, and then there's like complicated stuff in there. There's politics, there's philosophy, but it can all, it's such a popular form. It can all come back to the, to the young consuming teenager that gets demonized so much, I think, in these these days, you know, like, oh, millennials, they're just on their phones. Well, yeah, we're in a paradigm shift where the whole world is being technologically rewired and they're at the, they're at the leading edge. And I never like to dismiss people that are preoccupied with pop culture and teens because it's the lingua franca of our age. The elections are getting decided on memes and sound bites on Facebook. Because you get, think about it, you get everything in one little Facebook hit. You get a couple of words, a sound bite, and an image. It's so addictive. It's the, it's, it goes back to what Andy was saying in another podcast 
but is this how we're communicating now? And how, how is it not how we are communicating now is a, is a better question, maybe. I think, I think the other thing, too, is that, is that I've noticed, and, and I don't, I, I, this is just totally anecdotal, but I have noticed that, that there is more sophistication in things like the writing of children's movies, for example, is that I get the sense that, that you've got two very clever script writers. You've got, you've got the script writers that are writing for the children, but also writing for the, 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 the adults that are accompanying the child to the movie. You know, there's a level of sophistication that's sort of crept in there that, that is different. I think that when you look at things like graphic novels and turning them into uh, movies and whatnot, I think that the, the popularity equates to vast sums of money, which equates to, at times, not all the time, but, but being able to get some really high-caliber people that are thinking and given time to think about how do we represent this because there's some really serious issues at, at stake here. You know, so I, th- I think that, that that these things have that that have changed and expanded and got bigger. The quality may across the board. And it's just a really yeah. It's an observation, maybe ill informed, but the quality has probably got better. So, you know, like like comparing with with some of the same mediums of when I was younger or when I was a kid. Uh, it doesn't make them bad movies. Like there's plenty of movies from when I was a kid that I loved to bits and always will do. But I just think that there's a level of sophistication that's attached to things like yeah, local and comics. I know graphic novels different, but but you know those those sorts of representations that that yeah, it's it's huge and they're valid and they're legit and they can teach stuff and we can and they can get a really serious message across in a way that's totally accessible. And so I think I think you know just just opening and being open minded to this. It's not a modern fad. It's not like the kids in their phones again. You know, it's it's so much of this is sophisticated, and, and I think we can't underestimate that. Really, popular culture was the primary way of communicating ideas in the past, right? Like through song and through ritual and through storytelling you know like you think about homer for example you know there was no written with the iliad and and the odyssey they were never written down right there were just stories that were told and they relied on great storytellers you know and that brought in the emotion but the you know the and all 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 of the greek plays and you know everything right the the morality that was discussed and the big human issues that were you know, that people struggled with in the formation of these early societies were all being dealt with through, through the arts, through theater and, and storytelling, you know? It's just interesting. And I don't know much about Asian culture, but I expect it was much the same in, in China and, and other places as well. And certainly even more recently with a lot of Aboriginal cultures, you know, that they remade that storytelling and that dance and, 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 and rhythm and music was up until very recently and still in some cases uh, the foundation of their culture of, and their means of communicating big ideas and, and as well as daily experiences. There you go. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the School of School podcast. Mm-hmm.